See, you, I, I never know how the Holy Spirit is going to move in a service. I, I, I come in with just kind of a loose kind of a thing, right? But, but I, you never know. It's kind of one of these things. You kind of get in the service, feel the flow, and do one of these. All right, the Holy Spirit's moving in that direction. That's the way we're going to go. Amen? So, you know, you've got to have a, kind of just a loose agenda, if you know what I mean. Amen? All right, Acts chapter 10. And my voice is, woo, so bear with me here. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. <clears throat> and it says this, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Isn't that great? No partiality. It doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account tonight. You understand that? Hallelujah. We could camp out and preach on that all night. Amen. But in every nation... Whoever fears him or reverences him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were, under, underline it, oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are his witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging, hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. You do know Jesus, after he was risen from the dead, walked on the earth 40 days. Amen. See, this is no fable here. This is no bedtime story. This really happened. This is reality right here. Amen? And he, Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. It is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, through Jesus' name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking, come on, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. I don't know about you, but I'm happy about that. Amen? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded, commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. <laughs> I like that. Hey, why don't you hang out a little bit? We're a little blessed by your ministry here, right? All right, go to Colossians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 2. I have a good word tonight, so bear with me. Amen. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And then we're going to kick this thing off here. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, Having nailed it to his cross, I like this, 
Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. I like that. Amen. How many of you know? Let's do this. Let's get into this. Oh, by the way, welcome to everyone watching online. Welcome to Living Waters Chapel in Carroll, Michigan. Everywhere Jesus went in his earthly ministry, he ministered healing and he cast out demons. You ever have you read the gospels lately? It's, it's so funny because my 90-year-old grandma, right? so I was raised in a church, you know, that didn't really know much about the Holy Ghost. And she was over for a birthday party last night, and I wrote a book called Revival Experience. And she goes, Jimmy, she goes, I've been reading your book, and you're right. Everywhere Jesus went, he cast out demons. I'm like, wow, great. Amen. You see, you're never too old to get a revelation. Amen. Hallelujah. But everywhere he went, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil uh, because God was with him. This means then that every account in the Gospels, every account where Jesus ministered healing, where he cast out demons, okay, everywhere he did that, it means that he ministered to those people. They were oppressed by the devil in some form. Every single one of them, it says it right there in Acts, every single person was oppressed by the devil in some form. All right? You're going to get a revelation of this. Jesus was the expressed image of his heavenly father. He carried out the will of his heavenly father. Amen? You could say it this way. In his earthly ministry, Jesus was the will of God in action. If healing and deliverance was, uh, was against the will of God, Jesus would be fighting against his heavenly Father's will everywhere he went. Amen. So we know healing is the will of God. Amen. Everywhere he went, he healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead, uh, preached and taught the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. Sickness and disease, for those of you, I see a lot of new faces, and I'm so glad you're here. But let's talk about this real quick, because unless you know where it entered, it's never going to make sense to you. The curse entered. Sickness, disease, and bondage entered when Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden. So you could say it this way. Sin was the gateway that opened the door to sickness, disease, and bondage, and all of this junk that we have in this world. Amen? So that opened the floodgates to the curse. All right? So the fruit of that curse, obviously, is connected to the devil. Mm. Let me say that again. The fruit of the curse is connected to the kingdom of darkness. All right? Well, maybe God wants me to have this sickness or disease. No, he doesn't. Because those things entered through sin. So if you say that that's the will of God, you're really saying sin is the will of God. Because that's where that trash entered in to this picture. Are you following me, somebody? All right. So the fruit of the curse is connected to the kingdom of darkness. And after the fall in the Garden of Eden, Satan gained authority in this earth. All right? The world, this world system that you see, come on somebody, this world system that you see is under the control of the prince of the power of the air, the enemy, all right? The devil is the influencer of this evil world system. All you got to do is turn on the news and it's right there, right? All you got to do is look in Washington, D.C. and it's right there. Hello, somebody. Amen. 
But when Jesus came, he was called the second Adam. The first Adam messed up, didn't he? But Jesus is called the second Adam. He came to reverse the curse. Oh, come on. Oh, man, I'm telling you. This is a message. The devil doesn't want you to get get the revelation of this. He doesn't want you to get a revelation of this. So sin was the legal right or the gateway that opened the door to the enemy, that opened the door to sickness, disease, and infirmity. But under the old covenant, listen to this, even under the old covenant, God made provision. Say provision. God made provision. For healing. I am the God who healeth thee. Jehovah Rapha. I mean, even in the Old Testament, God provided a way. But listen to this. Under the New Testament now, it's not about God, waiting on God. You don't have to wait for an, for an angel to come into a pool and stir it up. And the first one in gets it. Sorry, sorry, the healing lottery. You lost the healing lottery, right? If you couldn't make it in quick enough. No, no, no. Now, under the New Testament... Jesus made the provision. Now you just got to take hold of it. It's the same as getting born again. Right? Well, how many people question, well, is it really God's will for me to be saved or born again? Many people don't question that, do they? All right. But they will question, does God want me healed? Absolutely he does. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Amen. So even under the old covenant, God made the provision. And even, like I said before, uh, in our services, God created our human body with healing mechanisms in it, right? Healing systems, our immune system. The minute you cut yourself, man, it goes into action to heal itself, doesn't it? How much more evidence do we need? Our God wants us well. Amen. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Some of y'all might just start getting healed here in this message tonight because you never heard anything like this before. Well, this is the truth. This is the message the devil does not want you to hear. Amen? That's why you've been having so much warfare all week and you had a hard time getting here. You almost had to come in a tank tonight, probably some of you. Amen? All right. Get ready to call out the National Guard to help you get here. All right? Isaiah 53. Four and five. Listen to this. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Here it is. And by, and by his stripes we... All right, testing one, two, three. You got me now, right? All right. Oh, it's even more amplified. I like it. All right. So where was I? So Jesus disarmed the kingdom of darkness for us. He was the spotless lamb of God without blemish. And that that is what he gives us through faith. Amen? Say faith. So I want you to notice that this passage in Isaiah, it says we are healed. All right. Now, if you look in the New Testament in first Peter chapter two, verse 24, it talks about this prophecy. It points back to this prophecy in Isaiah 53. And, and so now it says 
that we were healed. So Isaiah points to Jesus and said we are healed. In the New Testament, it points back now and says you were healed. All right? Now that's not just, listen, salvation deals with the sin problem. Salvation deals with the physical problems as well that sin let into this earth. Okay? All right. So Jesus made the provision. Now we need to believe it and take hold of it by faith, all right? I know what some are thinking. Oh, you're saying, oh, that F word. Yeah, 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 faith, right? Can you believe some people get upset when you talk about faith in the church? But my Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Say faith. Faith. Oh, come on. Yes. See, if you want to look at areas that the devil hates us to talk about, look at the things that there's contention in the body of Christ about. Speaking in tongues, faith. Come on, casting out demons, deliverance. Look, all those things, you know the devil's fingerprints are all over it. Amen? All right, so... Uh, our spiritual enemies are a thief. They don't play fair. They will take advantage of our lack of knowledge. All right. Hosea 4, 6, God says this. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, here's what you got to know. You got to know this. You cannot enforce and you cannot receive something you don't know belongs to you. Why, why am I not healed? Why? Well, we're digging into it now. You don't, you, you can't receive something that you don't know belo- uh, belongs to you. Go to 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8. Hallelujah. You got to know some things. If God says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, well, we need some knowledge then, don't we? 1 John 3, 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So the Son of God, Jesus, was manifested, it says right here, to destroy the works of the devil. All right. So that's talking about taking away the one thing. That gave Satan, demons, the kingdom of darkness, authority on this earth. Sin. Jesus came to take care of a sin problem. Say sin. sin. All right? He came to take, it, take care of that thing. All right? Jesus took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then he gave them to us, the church. All right? So we are to continue advancing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness has been disarmed by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And I love how it says he made a show of them openly in it. See, they were so full of hate. They were so they could they didn't even know they were crucifying the Lord of glory. They didn't know that Jesus, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that suffering, he was taking back the keys, baby. Amen. Go to Matthew 9. Go to Matthew chapter 9 here. Hallelujah. The devil just hopes that you don't know that you have keys to use. Come on, somebody. That's what he's hoping. He wants you to stay ignorant, lack of knowledge, so he can run and overtake your life. It's time to step up and put a stop to that. Amen? Matthew 9. Start with verse 1 here. It says, so he, Jesus 
got into the into a boat, crossed over, and they came uh, to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic laying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes within, uh, said within themselves, This man blasphemy, blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think, think evil in your hearts? For which is, catch this now, for which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. I love that, how Jesus said, now don't miss this key here. I just set up for you that sickness, disease, infirmity, and all of this junk entered through what? Sin. All right? When Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden. All right? So Jesus said, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk? Jesus is saying this thing, that those two things are the same thing. It's all wrapped up in salvation through Jesus Christ. All right? But it must be received. All right? Sins, uh, sins are forgiven. The legal right of the curse is gone. When you put your faith in Christ, you come to him, he makes you righteous. Amen? That doesn't mean you're not going to sin. The Bible says if you sin, confess it and forsake it. Amen? All right? So we need to live holy. Come on, somebody. Say holy. holy. We need to live holy. Here, now listen to this. I talked about this at the last healing service, and it was powerful. That you, to get healed, that you can't, you can't earn your healing. All right? So you're a mess. You're a prodigal. You're out in the world. You come to the Lord, and you can expect and have faith in him. Lord, heal me. Right? He will do it. But to maintain your healing. But to maintain your healing. What did Jesus say to someone he healed? He said, go and what? Sin no more. So it's like, it's like God extends credit to you when you come to him in faith. God, I need a healing. I need healing, right? See, he made you righteous when you made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. Before you had a chance to do one righteous work, you were considered righteous. You know that, right? So... There's a, so whatever you're going through, because so many people say, well, I don't deserve this. I've done too much stuff. God's punishing me. No, he's not. He's not. That's the enemy doing this to you. You come to him in faith and you, you press in for your healing. Amen? Amen. Now, if you've been living like the devil, you need to make some changes. Come on, somebody afterwards, right? Because you can lose your healing. Amen. You absolutely can. Here we go. The Greek word that's translated salvation is sozo. Say sozo. It means healing, wholeness, sound mind, deliverance, protection. Are you getting the point? It's called the all-inclusive word. Salvation through Jesus Christ. It, it contains all of these things, all right? The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the power of sin has been overcome through him. The power of the curse has been destroyed. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3.13. That the blessing of Abraham can come to you through the, your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Sickness, disease, and bondage is never referred to as a blessing in the word of God. I, go ahead. You, you study it out. If you can find it, you show me. I've been from Genesis to Revelation. Everywhere it talks about sickness, disease, bondage, it's under a curse. Jesus took care of that curse. Come on, somebody. You don't have to. You got to rise up. People, we need to get mad at the enemy here. We got to get mad at the enemy. Amen. So, so we're so wrapped up sometimes, and it's not a bad thing, in this whole love thing, love, love. But, you know, I preach a message before. We need to start hating some things. We need to start hating the devil. Start hating what he's doing in your life. Stop. You need to start hating what he's doing in your family. Amen? We need to rise up. And it's the good fight of faith. Amen? Hallelujah. It's not a fight in the natural. It's a fight in the spirit realm. Amen? So the word of God, listen to this. The word of God says that all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. I love that. Amen. That means that you are expected. You never, maybe you didn't even think of this before. Listen to this. All the promises in Christ are yes and amen. The the Holy Spirit showed this to me before. Because people, you know, you got some people, they're great Christians, but they're not walking in health. They're not, the Holy Spirit said this. You need to put your yes and amen on every single promise. Oh, you got that. See, some people, they really love the Lord. They really do. They're they're great Christians. They're the best people around, right? But they don't know a lick about their benefits about healing. Come on, somebody. See, and the only way you can put your yes and amen on it is to know some things from the word of God. Amen? Amen. My people are destroyed for a what? A lack of knowledge. Now listen to this. So we're expected to, with our faith, to put an amen on every promise, every single promise in the word of God. The word amen means this, so be it. It's a word, listen to this, it's a word that means to be in agreement with. That's what it means. So in other words, you need to put your yes and amen on every promise in the word of God. You need to put the so be it in my life. You you need to put the I come in agreement with the word of God for that promise in my life. Amen. Now let's go through a few accounts here in the word of God and pull out some spiritual golden nuggets here. The Holy Spirit gave me. Okay, so Matthew 9, look at verse 18 here, 18 and 19. Hallelujah. You doing all right out there? Did I tire you out earlier or what? All right. Matthew 9, 18 through 19. And it says this. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him. And so did his disciples. I want you to notice something here. The Holy Spirit pulled something out that I've never really seen before or paid attention to. The ruler approached Jesus with a heart of worship. The ruler approached Jesus with a heart of worship. Many approach our Heavenly Father with anger and bitterness. Bitterness for what? God, why are you doing this in my life, right? And he's looking down saying, I'm not. I have no part in it. But what I do have part in is the reverse of the curse. 
and you need to know some things. Amen? Man, you wouldn't believe how many people get angry and bitter at God. You, you know, you're directing your anger in the wrong target. What you need to direct your anger toward is the enemy, the devil. You need to direct it toward that disease. Amen? And then when you start doing that, you'll see results. You will, I'm telling you right now, you will see results. See, being angry at God in your life just exposes your lack of knowledge of what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. Being angry at God really reveals this. Are you ready for this? Oh, don't throw any tomatoes at me here. You want to know what it reveals? Your spiritual immaturity. See, your physical age has nothing to do with your spiritual maturity. I've seen some people that were in their low 20s who are more spiritually mature than someone in their 80s or 90s. Think about that. So all it does when you blame God, it's showing your spiritual immaturity and your lack of knowledge. But your only responsibility in receiving is to believe. You need to activate the law of faith in your life. Amen? See, somewhere in the past, this ruler that came to Jesus after his daughter died, this ruler, somewhere down the line, he heard about Jesus. He heard that this Jesus is doing miracles. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. Come on. And in that built a faith on the inside of him. You want to know why? Because faith comes by hearing. Oh, and hearing by the word of God. But I found something else. Faith and unbelief comes the same way from hearing. That's why I preach a message about the importance of hearing a couple weeks ago on a Sunday. Listen to it, livingwaterschapel.org. And it talks about how the ear gate and the eye gate, there's two gates that enter into your heart. And the problem is never with the seed, the incorruptible seed of God's word. The problem is with the soil of our heart where we receive it. Amen? But this man approached Jesus not only with an attitude of worship, but with faith. How do we know that? Because he said, Jesus, if you will come with me, lay your hand on her. I know. I know. I know you can do this thing. Amen? He was creating his own point of contact. Oh, my, we're going to get ready. Put your spiritual seatbelts on here. All right. I will go as far to say this, that if there is not a heart attitude of worship or reverence toward God when you seek him for healing, there's no true faith present either. They're twins. If you truly have faith, man, I'm telling you, there is a heart of worship toward him. Amen? I love how kind and selfless Jesus was. It says that he just arose and he followed. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm sorry, I, 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 you know, I'm kind of hungry. I want to stop off at Burger King here. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little hungry. I've been working all day, right? No, he didn't have this celebrity minister kind of a thing going on. He said, I'm, I'm going. I'm going. See, there's something. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit just spoke this. He said, it was his faith that made Jesus rise up and go right away. Jesus, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost just said that Jesus knew this guy wasn't going to waste his time because he had faith for it. I'm, I'm, I'm like getting this as I'm going here. Wow. Think about that. I'm telling you, your faith attracts the Holy Ghost. 
your faith. In fact, the eyes of God go to and fro the whole earth, and he's looking for people. He's looking for people that believe him. He wants to manifest himself in your life more than you want him to. Come on. If you'll take the first step, he'll, you draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. The first step has to happen on earth before something moves in heaven. Matthew 9, 20 through 22. Oh, I feel, I feel an atmosphere shift right now. Thank you, Lord. There's that spirit of uh, wisdom and revelation flowing from the Holy Ghost now. Here we go. Matthew 9, 20 through 22. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came uh, from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your what? Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that very hour. See, now this happened, this happened on the way to that ruler's house. Man, Jesus was busy, wasn't he? I love that. He's on the go, man. I love this. But he was on the way to the ruler's house, and this woman, this woman with the issue of blood, she obviously heard about Jesus somewhere in the past, did she not? Because she had faith. How do I know that? Number one, Jesus said it was your faith that made you whole. But she said, if I can just touch his hem, I shall be made whole. She, she created her own point of contact. Man, she approached Jesus with expectation and faith and a desperation. See, many approach God. Are you ready for this? You ready for some deeper things? This is for spiritually mature people. Are you ready to grow a little bit? Here we go. She, many approach God with one thing, desperation only. But we don't receive in the kingdom of God with desperation. Just because you have a need doesn't mean it's going to be met. Oh, that's, well, James, that's a little tough, isn't it? I mean, I'm sitting here struggling. Sorry. These are the, the spiritual laws in the word of God. We are expected to put into place. Come on, somebody. We are expected to activate these spiritual laws. Jesus said, so, so, so many have come to, you know, God with desperation, but no faith. But faith needs to be present. Not just hope, but faith. Say faith. faith. Jesus said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. He didn't say this. Be of good cheer. Your hope has made you well. Be of good cheer. Your desperation has made you well. Be of good cheer. You've been suffering this 12 years. Be well. No, no, no. He said, your faith. If this woman didn't have faith, if she didn't have faith, guess what? She would have walked away from Jesus with that same infirmity. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's talk a little bit about faith then. The spiritual law of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith. Now faith. Say now faith. Faith is now. All right, you'll see in a moment. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's the deal. You ready for this? This is going to get deep. Faith converts your hope into substance. Oh, 
Oh, come on, Holy Ghost, speak, speak, Holy Ghost. That we're going to get deep. We're going we're gonna to go some deeper waters here, right? So your faith converts your hope into substance. You must understand this. The law of faith needs to be activated to take spiritual provision through Christ and pull it into manifestation in the natural realm. My, my, my. The Word of God says in Ephesians 1.3, it says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Come on. We have been blessed with every spiritual... Look it up yourself. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Because that which was hindering the blessing has been taken away in Christ, the sin problem. Now, here we go. So faith takes hold of that blessing in the spirit realm and pulls it into the natural realm. Faith is a spiritual force. See, Jesus provided spiritual blessings. Say spiritual blessings. But here now we have a problem. See, that's why the word, the word of God calls, or faith, we call it, the hand of faith. Say the hand of faith. Because what you're doing, you're, you're pulling in the hand of faith in the spirit realm, and you're pulling it in right here to the natural realm. Uh, that's great, Lord, that you provided spiritual blessings, but I kind of need it right here on earth right now, right? That's what I'm teaching you how to do this right now. Faith takes hold of it in the spirit realm and pulls it into the natural realm. Faith is substance and evidence. What I just read in Hebrews 11, 1, listen. Oh, we're going deep. Faith is substance and evidence. Say substance and evidence. Here's what you got to understand about faith. Faith is not hope and hope is not faith. Okay? Hope is a confident expectation for the future. Faith says I have it now. All right? It, faith is a knowing that you have taken hold of it in, of that spiritual blessing in Christ and that you are, see, uh, you are seeking and rejoicing before you see the manifestation in the natural. All right. I know that was a mouthful. Hold on here. It is knowing that you have taken hold of that spiritual blessing through Christ. It's a trust. It's a confidence. It's evidence. All right? And you're rejoicing before you see it in the natural. Remember, there's, the, there's point A where you pray, and then all the way down here, there's point C. So in between here, there's a waiting period. That waiting period is faith. But here's what I got to tell you now. Here we go. Faith leans upon the integrity of our Heavenly Father in His written word. Here's the problem that for many Christians, you have been let down by so many people that you have brought your distrust in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Oh, it's big. Anybody ever been let down before by anybody? Anybody breathing here tonight? If you're breathing, it's happened. But many Christians bring that distrust and unbelief in your walk with God. You have zero confidence of anything. But faith trusts the integrity of our God. Faith knows the reality of the fact of this, that God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. You know that? That's why with him, all things are possible and we can trust him. And, and here's another thing, ready? Many of you don't even trust your own faith. 
Oh, think about this. Oh. How many times, God, I'm going to serve you, and then the next minute you're out sinning. See? That confidence is gone in us. So you don't even feel that you can carry enough faith to get the result. Are you following me here? So back to the woman with the issue of blood. It says that after she touched Jesus' garment, she was made well. Now this account with the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, it talks about that account. And it says that when she touched his, the hem of his garment, that Jesus literally felt power come out of him. And he told her then that her faith has made her well. Say power came out of him. Here's the deal. Faith, your faith puts a demand on the anointing of the Holy Ghost, on the power of God. It's like this. So you, let me give you a, an example here. Ready? It's like a vacuum being plugged into the electrical outlet. That's like us. We're saved, right? We're born again. We're Christians. Praise God, right? We're born again. We're plugged into the electrical socket. But we're not going to receive anything beyond that unless you turn the switch on and draw from it. And that switch is faith. Everything the kingdom of God has that you're going to receive must come through faith. I don't know why people have such a problem with faith. I'm thinking, my goodness, you know you're saved through faith, right? Are you, are you even saved then? If you, if you have a problem with, with talking about faith, are you even saved then? Come on, somebody. But you are, obviously. But, again, you've got to put your yes and amen. So, on each promise, all right? So you will not draw out any power and turn that vacuum on unless that switch is turned on. And your faith in the Word of God for that specific promise turns on the switch in the spirit realm and draws on the power of God to pull it in the natural. Oh, my. So, you know... When you get prayed for, you know, whether here or at your church or wherever you're at, you know, do what the woman with the issue of blood did, you know, make a faith-filled confession. I'm going to go up. When they lay hands on me, the power of God's going to flow through me. I'm going to receive my miracle. That's what she did. She created her own point of contact. All right, now look at Matthew 9. Matthew 9. All right. Matthew 9, uh, 23 through 26. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, so he finally came to the house, and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. That probably happened at a lot of churches. You know that? And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in, he took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And... The report of this went out to all the land. I want you to notice something here. Jesus kicked out every person who had unbelief in that room. Do you know that Jesus could not even do any mighty miracles in his hometown of Nazareth because of what? Unbelief. But wait a minute. He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. He can do anything he wants. Nope. Even Jesus, when he walked on this earth, was subject to the law of faith the son of the living God. Jesus walked on this earth as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Like you. Just like us. 
He was our example. Amen? Yeah, he was the son of God. Of course he was. But he was subject to the laws of faith. He was subject to the spiritual laws. So my question to you is this. If you were in that room, would Jesus have kicked you out of that room or would he say, stay with me? Think about that. If you're believing God for a healing in your body, in your emotions, whatever kind of healing you need, you need to be very careful who you're listening to. You might have to tell someone to leave your inner circle. Are you here? Oh, someone's getting a revelation over here. That was a word from the Holy Ghost for someone, huh? See? That room... That room is where miracles happen. And Jesus said, no, if you're not going to believe, get out. So there's someone in here tonight. You're believing God for a miracle. There's some people you need to kick out of that room in your life. Now, I'm not saying divorce. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, don't get too excited here, people. Man, you guys get way too excited when I talk about this. But there's some people that you're going to have to turn your hearing off that speak in negativity in your ear. They're pulling you down. Get them out of that room. Get them out of there. Are you hearing me? Yeah, but they're, you know, they're, get them out of there. Get them out of there. God has more for you than this. And listen, God is going, (laughs) God wants to touch you, but he's waiting for you. I hear it right now. To get those people out of that room. Whew. Matthew 9, 27 through 31 as I'm pressing in here. Here we go. I'm almost done. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Jesus was giving them an opportunity to create their own point of contact. They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. There it is again. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him all about the country. See, these two blind men, obviously somewhere down the road, heard, heard. Faith comes by hearing. Unbelief comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. Are you following me? You better be careful who you're listening to. It said they followed him. And I want you to notice something. Are you ready for this? I want you to notice that when the blind men yelled out to him, Jesus did not immediately stop. (laughs) Did you notice this? Jesus did not stop after he heard them. What he did, he walked into a house. Well, boy, most, most ministers would get crucified for doing that. Well, that's rude. No, Jesus just kept on going into the house. Think about this, right? Listen to this. If they wouldn't have followed Jesus into the house, they would never have received that miracle. Many times in a spiritual sense, Christians are crying out to Jesus, but they will not make that extra effort to follow him into that house. It's kind of like this. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Amen? 
There are times when, when someone has a sickness or a disease. I mean, it's a life-threatening one, but they refuse to go to a healing service when there's healing services. They refuse, they refuse to whatever, to do what they need to do. It's like this. It's like, it's mind-boggling to me. Well, you know, well, why didn't you go to the healing service? Well, I wasn't feeling good. Hello? <laughs> do we just want well people here? No, we want to minister to the sick, disease, broken, demon-possessed. Come on, somebody. That's what this is for. How bad do you want it? They could be one step away from receiving their miracle or healing, and they refuse to go into the house. These blind men did not give up when Jesus went into the house. They were, they were desperate, but it was mixed with faith. They went into the house. Jesus, many times, he asked people, he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? He's given them a chance to exercise the law of faith, to create their own point of contact. Because I guarantee you this, if if Jesus asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they'd say, no. Okay. You can stay in it. Right? Why else would Jesus ask? He wanted them to verbalize their faith. Faith is never silent. Faith, number one, faith should be seen and faith should be heard. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I got faith. Well, there's no evidence of it there. Come on, somebody. Jesus knew that faith must be present to activate or to pull the uh, on the anointing to heal. Spiritual laws in the word of God must be activated. Yeah, but, you know, God knows that I'm sick. If he wanted me well, he would just heal me, right? No. Just because, again, just because you have a need doesn't mean it's going to be met. In Matthew 6, 8, here's a principle right here that just makes this thing concrete. It says, God knows what you have need of before you ask. You know what the key point is? We're still expected to ask. Jesus said, pray that laborers be sent into the harvest. Well, if we don't do it, they won't. Oh, see, here's the deal. The uh, the responsibility, we're always trying to kick it to God. God, why am I not healed? Why am I not healed? And God says this, learn some things from my word. Activate my spiritual principles and you will. Oh, come on, somebody. See, people don't like to hear that though, do they? They don't like to hear that because they're spiritually lazy. There's a lot of spiritual lazy Christians. Come on, somebody. Amen. People ask, why do you bring up nine, ten scriptures in a sermon? I said, probably because the people aren't doing it at home during the week. So I'm going to pump you full of it. Amen. Now, look at this. Mark 11. Trust me, you won't leave here hungry spirit. Uh, Well, you'll want more, but I mean, I'm going to. We're going to feed you a good word. Amen. Now, Mark, Mark 11, go there with me. Mark 11. Don't worry, I'm not holding you hostage here tonight, but uh, I'm almost done. Mark 11, 22 through 24. There's just so much. I, I just, there's, you need to know some things. And if you're here, you need a healing, right? You need something, right? So we need to teach this. Mark 11, 22 through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The original says, have the God kind of faith. 
All right? Have the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It says, and does not doubt in your heart. All right? Jesus has given us more insight to the law of faith right there. He's given us more insight on how to get answered prayer. He says, at the point that you pray, at the point of you pray, you pray, not after, not during, before you pray, believe what you're praying for, you're going to receive. Now stick with me here. At the point of asking, believe. And here's the, here's the key. You want to know where many Christians miss it? I'm telling you, listen, if, you're, if your neighbor's sleeping right now, nudge them a little bit because they need to hear this one. There you go. Okay? It's just one thing you need to hear right now. When you pray, believe at the point of asking and believing. And hold on to that belief until the manifestation comes in the natural. This is where many Christians lose it. They lose their healing. They come up to an altar call where the power of God is so powerful, it's like we're getting raptured, right? The power of God comes upon them, and they're all happy and joyful, and then they leave here. The devil says you're not healed, and they unhook from the agreement they had on the Word of God, and they lose their healing. Oh, someone's getting a revelation of this. At the point of asking, believe and hold on to that manifestation and hold on to that until the manifestation comes in the natural realm. If it doesn't happen instantly, many let go of the belief. Many let go of the faith. How do I know? How, how do you know if you believe right then, right? How do you know? You want to know? Here it is right here. Because after you get prayed for, if you had faith when you were getting prayed for, it, your whole entire attitude about the situation is going to change. The words you speak about it are going to change. Your faith is going to cause you to believe that you have it before you see the manifestation. That's what faith is. It carries you from the point of prayer to the point of actually receiving that good report. That's the point right there. So you need to hold on. You need to hold on to your faith until the manifestation comes. That's where people lose it in the body of Christ. And that's why faith has such a bad thought in, in a lot of the body of Christ. Okay? This is why the devil fights you so hard after prayer. He's trying to get you to do this. Disengage, unhook, and come out of agreement with the word of God. That's what he's trying to do. So we need to maintain that belief or faith until it manifests. Don't fall into the devil's trap of deception to get you out of agreement with the word of God. Now, Matthew 9, 32 and 34. Matthew 9, 32 and 34. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the rulers of demons. Yeah, 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 people who are caught up in dead religion will say that, right? Demons can be the direct result of a sickness, disease, or an infirmity. And until the demon is cast out, there's no healing taking place. 
Now you know why the devil fights deliverance ministry so hard. Because if that demon doesn't leave, there's no healing. Notice this mute didn't speak until the demon left. Wow. Satan, demons, and the entire kingdom of darkness, they recognize authority through Jesus Christ. And they hope that you never find out how much you have. When praying over someone for healing, as you noticed here tonight, when I was praying over people, I, I treat it, uh, you know, I treat the disease or sickness like, I, like I'm talking to a demon. Like it has its own personality. I command it to come out in Jesus' name. And then we command healing to that part of the body. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes you pray, sometimes you say. Sometimes you pray, sometimes you got to just make the command in Jesus' name. Amen. So, command it to leave, uh, command it to leave the body, organ, and, and speak healing. Now, my last one, and I'm done here, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. There was not one person that was left with a sickness or a disease where Jesus walked in there. Isn't that something? And people still question whether God wants you well. Come on, somebody. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, if it didn't matter, he wouldn't have asked. Amen? But it says Jesus went through all the cities and villages teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Say the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom means that you're pushing out the enemy. You're pushing out the effects of the curse, the effects of original sin, and you're receiving healing and where God is reigning and ruling in your life and in a specific location. Are you following me? That's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is wherever God's will is advanced, wherever his will will is obeyed, wherever the rule and reign of God is advanced. Now, that includes, like I said, pushing out sickness, disease, and infirmity, all right, casting out demons. It means you're taking territory away from the enemy and replacing it with the rule of God in your life, all right? It says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with concern for people because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. See, that right there is the pastoral ministry right there coming through Jesus. Jesus knew this, that the care, protection, and proper spiritual order, without those things, that people would be open to the attacks of the enemy. Some people say, I don't need to belong to a, a local church. Really? Because that's not our idea, that's God's idea. The assembly of yourself together. And there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it, because you're an open target to the devil when you're not in, in, have a spiritual covering and you're around people who can pray for you. Come on, somebody. People who can build you up, hearing the word of God on a regular basis. Amen? Amen. But if you're, if you're a Christian, you need to be connected to a good Bible-believing church where the pastor is going to cover and feed you the word of God. Amen?
And, and if you are hurting today, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you need to know something, that Jesus does have compassion toward you. Amen? He was moved with it. That's why we started these meetings. These meetings are, have not started just so we could have a circus, just so we could, you know, make this, you know, put the church in lights. No, we did this because there are hurting people. And I want to see people healed. I want to see miracle signs and wonders in your life. Amen? That's why we do this. We don't, we don't want your money. Come on, somebody. I want you to walk in the will of God for your life. I see the devil chewing up too many Christians. And that's why we're doing this. Amen? So, Jesus, I want to just say this and I'm done. Jesus called the 12 and the 70 to go out, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. And guess what? After he ascended, now he said for the whole church to start doing it. Don't you dare sit back and count on your pastor. Don't you dare sit back and count on the prophets and apostles and, and people and fivefold ministers. No, 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 no. We're all supposed to do that. Jesus said the laborers are few. And that was in this context, the context of people that are hurting, that are sick, diseased, that need healing. Come on, somebody. And they're like, they're scattered like sheep with no, without a shepherd. Amen. Church, we need to rise up and lean upon the integrity of our Heavenly Father. Believe and receive every blessing that Jesus has given for us. Jesus disarmed the kingdom of darkness so that you can be a partaker of the abundant life. Amen? Let's stand in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now maybe, hallelujah, maybe there's someone in this place, you come to this meeting, but... You're like, you know, it all sounds great, but I'm still on the devil's territory. I have not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, I want you to come forward and to this corner, and I want to pray with you to make him Lord of your life. Maybe the, the bigger thing is I find out with people is this, that, well, you know, I got saved when I was three years old. <laughs> I got saved when I was seven, 12, whatever. And they walked away from the Lord. And it's time to rededicate your life to the Lord. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, meet me up here for prayer. Maybe you never received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm telling you, receiving the Holy Spirit baptism will help you in every area of your life. Every area of your life. All right, so I'm going to close the service now. And uh, anybody that wants prayer... And any of those things I just mentioned, come on up here. But if you need prayer, you didn't come up earlier, maybe you did and you want more prayer, uh, I will stick around here as long as we need. Amen. But thank you so much for coming tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it. Uh, by the way, if you get a praise report, make sure you call and let us know or email us. Okay? All right. I love you all. Go to church tomorrow. Amen? All right. Have a great night, everyone. I love you all. God bless.